Welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I'm Maggie Ulmer, and I'm excited to introduce today's episode. Today, Matt and Emma sit down and talk with Maddie Wofford. Maddie's going to be a speaker at the upcoming Spirit and Truth Conference here in Dayton, Ohio, March 9th through 11th. This conversation between the three of them is wide-ranging and covers a number of topics, but I really feel like at its core, it's a conversation about what it takes to build and sustain Christ-centered spiritual family. It's really inspiring, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. But Maddie, thank you uh, so much for being here with us today. And uh, we also have Emma Winchester, who you you all know as part of the Spirit and Truth team, who's um, here and she's she has some connection. We'll get into that with Maddie through the Awakening Project and things. So Maddie, tell us, just tell us a little bit about yourself to help folks get to know you a little bit. Yeah, guys, it's such an honor to be on this and and really to get to partner with you guys because I've heard about Spirit and Truth for so long. And then finally, in the last year or so, we've just deeply connected and and I'm excited to be with you guys in March and feel like it really has been just a, a nudge from the spirit to jump into this. So I just am expected awesome. and coming um, with faith that he has something for us there. And I'm excited to receive from everybody and um, just plan to be with you guys all week. So can't wait to be there and can't wait to connect and meet so many of you. Um, but yeah, so we, we planted a rise church a little bit about us is me and Austin. We planted a rise church in 2020. Um, we came out of Austin about a decade of college ministry, me like five or six years of college ministry, um, campus ministry on campus at the university of Kentucky. And just out of that, um, really grew like grew such a burden for the, the generational shift that we really saw from when even mm-hmm. I was in college to now Gen Zers in college. And I remember almost a year where things just immediately turned and shifted, um, where I was like, wow, I think that this is the first group of freshmen that grew up in social media and like grew up Mm. sort of that digital age where there was a gap for like my generation. Instagram came out when I was in college. So it was, there was a bit of a gap there. And then I remember meeting that first group of freshmen and just recognizing almost immediately there's been a shift. So for us, we've just been for now, you know, a decade of our lives, just wrestling through what is a church for the future look like. And, um, just in hope, you know, in audacious hope, not necessarily that we're going to crack the code or it's going to be something that we do, but, um, just, just hoping and believing that God has a, a vision for emerging adults. And then how can, intergenerational people come around, um, what he's doing and, and anyway, so that's been stirring us for a long time. It birthed what we uh, are doing now, which is a rise church and then out of a rise church and sort of friendships and relationships that we're building out of, uh, different networks here in the U S uh, came awakening project was, which was really how I was introduced to Emma. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's been a, it's been a journey, but our passion really is, uh, awakening and emerging generations and, um, whatever that looks like today, you know, if awakening's not happening today, what does it look like today to partner with the mm-hmm. spirit and to listen to Jesus's heart for what's going on around us, um, to create cultures of prayer and, 
um, just longing and desire. And anyway, so we have a whole story there, but yeah, kind of what we're doing now. And, um, and then the awakening project really came out of those relationships, which is just a collegiate network around the U S of, um, hungry college students seeking, uh, what does awakening look like on their campus? And, um, it's sort of like an experiential yeah. learning week, um, more so than like a conference. So that started in 21 and we had our second round in 22 last year. So yeah, we're kind of, we have our hands in a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I would just say like, I don't know, every time I get to talk to you, Maddie, I feel so much like Paul when he's like, it's such a joy to hear about your ministry. And, you know, like, it's, it's so beautiful to see the ministry that you guys are doing. You're just a few hours away from us, but I just always am so encouraged by your guys' passion for um, the church and for this upcoming generation. And so I just want to start by saying thank you. Like it's, it's already so good to hear. Well, it's mutual. That's like why we connected. I think so deeply. We were just like, yes, these are our people. Like just immediately just riding in that car that one day during awakening project, I was like, I'm going to know these gals for a while. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 Um, And it's great that we're not far from each other. Um, (laughs) A lot of our relationships are a nice drive, but we're so much closer, which is amazing. So Mm Um, yeah, I'm thankful that the Lord's connected us for sure. Yeah. Well, we're, we're excited about all the work that you're doing. I mean, um, the little bit that I've gotten to know you so far, just with what you're doing with the rise church, the work that you're doing with awakening project, your heart for prayer, uh, you know, it just resonates with the DNA of our ministry and kind of our heart longing so much. Um, and I guess that's where I want to start. I want to ask you kind of how that came to be in your life. Um, you know, all those things that you mentioned just reveal within you, you know, and Austin, just this deep hunger for renewal in the church. And wh- how did you get to that place? Did you, I mean, did you grow up in the church? And if so, how did you move from, you know, just a kind of a everyday normal Christian person trying to do do the Christian thing to someone who's really actively working to see God birth something new in the church? Yeah. It's such a good question. Uh, yeah, I, so I grew up in the church and I actually, this phrase has been ringing in my head the last couple weeks, um, is that, so I, even though I was raised in the church, I, I lived kind of that major double life. I, I kind of would go to church and do the thing. Um, but I was so broken. I, I didn't have a lot of guidance around me. Most of my, um, upbringing outside of like sort of religious systems, um, mm-hmm. but not real, like uh, pastoral discipleship in my life. So when, you know, rubber meets the road and you're in middle school and high school, I just started rebelling in a major way. Um, part of that related to, I have a whole story uh, on sexual abuse and God really coming and meeting me and healing when I was 17. It's a whole thing. But, but I think that really what happened is just for so long, my picture of church was like a religious system um, that wasn't impacting my heart. And then I had a radical encounter when I was 17 that changed my whole life while I was writing an English essay. It's a whole story for another time. Wow. But I was writing wow. an English essay. The whole <laughs> That's a new one for me. I've actually yes, I've never heard it's crazy. An English it's so crazy. essay conversion story. So that's yes. interesting. Well, I love him. I, you, you talked about doing creative writing. It was a creative writing essay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, yeah, I just, um, had a radical encounter with the Holy spirit where Jesus freed me from just about six or seven years of shame that I'd buried and, you know, living wow. in just, um, yeah, systems that were, were broken to me. And, um, I really met Jesus and he met me and freed me pretty much instantly. I think it was a deliverance looking back now too, just the amount wow. of shame and, um, oppression that I was in and under. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, delivered me from it and immediately went to like the first person that I knew who seemed like an alive Christian and was like, I need you to show me the way. And she just started discipling me at 17. And, um, I think in that moment it put like an insatiable hunger in me for just the God who does impossible things. Cause my life felt so impossible at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, living a joyful, free life felt so impossible. And it was, um, and this, this phrase that I was kind of saying earlier, that's been ringing in my head the last couple of weeks, as I've been wrestling with, um, just like why, why, what is, what is love that the, the love of God that's being poured out in our community? What is it? And God just has kept saying to me, the spirits just kept saying to me, the only reason you know how to love is because of me. Like, and mm-hmm. it's just been reminding me of those early years and how, manipulative and broken and shame filled and just impossible relationships were for me. And, um, yeah, the only reason I know how to love is because he's taught me how to love and he loved me first, like so deeply and richly in those early years. So 17 to like 20, um, we're just healing and, and outpouring. And, um, God led me to this, uh, camp that I had been a part of when I was younger that I had no idea was spirit filled, but I just remembered that one week I was there. It was like amazing. So (laughs) I went and worked at this camp in Northern California, um, called JH ranch. And while I was there, just, it was like the spirit had led me there to show me people who were operating in what I had longed for, for so long. Um, just people who were alive to the spirit, walking in spiritual gifts, um, really living free and empowered lives. I was like, who are these people? This is amazing. Um, and, and I was 19 when I went there first. So it was about two years of just like looking for the hungry and then God leading me there. And I I spent two summers there just being totally discipled and poured into stirring up that hunger for renewal in the church. And, um, and then the biggest probably stake in the ground for me that I still go back to is I was part of starting a um, ministry called night watch, which was on the university of Kentucky's campus where I was uh, at and just had spent a whole semester prayer walking the campus with some of my closest friends. And, um, very quickly we went to one thing conference in Kansas city with IHOP, um, that December, January time. And in the prayer room, very quickly heard, you know, we'd just been asking, what does it look like for us to partner with you, Holy spirit on campus? And, um, you know, when you're 19, you're a time millionaire. So you just can spend a lot of time doing that. It's awesome. <laughs> that is so real. It is so real. It's just the best. It's such a sweet, sacred time. So to 19 year olds, I'm always like, give it everything. This is the moment. To just all I've never heard that. That is such a perfect way to put it. A time millionaire. You are at 19. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, there's so much opportunity in that window. That's why I love being with emerging adults so much and college students. Um, But yeah, we would just walk the campus. And and then at that conference, we were sitting in the prayer room and I just heard the Holy Spirit say, before the end of January, you're going to start a night watch prayer gathering that you're a a gathering that goes through the night. Um, 
and, and just like be open, be ready. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was living in a sorority house. Um, so could, didn't have even a space. I could host something like that. Um, I'm not a worship leader. So I was like, okay, God, I don't know who's going to lead worship, but we'll do this. Uh, there's just like a lot of barriers, I guess. And in like a matter of weeks, just, I, I love this story. I won't go into it all because we probably don't have time, but it was like the heavens were just opening and wow. every, every little part of the night and what these ended up being just started opening up in front of me. Um, we got a location because this older lady who lived five minutes from campus had a dream when I was at one thing conference of a, a pile of shoes outside of her renovated garage. And she was like, I feel like people are supposed to gather here. And then God connected wow. us the week I got back. And she was like, I had a dream about this. It's supposed to be at my house and just like really amazing, like miraculous. I look back on the season and it was just graced, you know, and God just graced mm-hmm. us and, um, was moving to make it happen. And it seemed so effortless and easy. And, um, anyway, so we started these night watch gatherings and they went on for about two years. I was a junior in college. Um, and one of my favorite parts of learning in that season about awakening and renewal, um, was that I was really a hidden leader. Like God told me to start this thing, but I wasn't a worship leader. Um, I, and majority of the nights were pretty, spontaneous. Like we had a a worship leader that ended up leading for us, which was also a cool story, um, of how he ended up there, but, um, he would just lead, he was very comfortable with just strumming and singing out of a place of prayer and then letting the room kind of chime in in prayer. And, um, it was just a miraculous season. And, And it was so fun because I felt like this kind of like in this secret hidden place, God let a dream come forward out of me. And it, and it didn't have to be me on a platform or me leading, but it was like when the spirit has an assignment and there's something on his heart Mm -hmm. to happen, it doesn't even matter that there's some face person doing it sometimes. Like that was, it was just very unique thing that the spirit really did arrange and that Jesus was on. And I mean, there were miracles happening, people getting like physical healings and, um, just, it was a real outpouring of the spirit. And, and I know I was kind of the one convening it and leading it, but, um, there were old intercessors in our city who started coming and saying like things, things coming out of their mouths. Like this is what we've been praying for. So it was yeah. really like, Whoa, like the weight of what God was doing was obvious to so many of us. Um, and it was a really special time. And, uh, I think that just marked me like, wow, I can be part of if I'm just listening, like just simply yeah. listening to the spirit and trying to be obedient, um, I can be part of something really amazing in the church and, and it can be anyone. Yeah. It can be this 20 year old girl who doesn't have a seminary degree and isn't, uh, qualified as some people might think to lead. Um, but I was hungry for God. And, and that's what I loved about Emma and Jenna when I met them was I saw yeah. just such a similar passion and just willingness to surrender and be yielded and to love Jesus and to ask him what's on his heart and to just go for it. Um, and he anointed th- that time and taught me a ton about renewal and leadership and, um, yeah, it's just a special season. So those, those, those mm-hmm. combination of things marked me for renewal for sure. And just put a passion in my heart at a young age to say, God does impossible things and he renews his church and he renews us as individuals. And, um, he can do amazing things if we, yeah, listen and wait. So 
Yeah, I love that. I love your story because I mean, it really does get at the heart of a lot of what we're about as a ministry. We're when we go into local churches, um, we're constantly just pressing on people that it doesn't take anything crazy. It just takes simple obedience. Like if you learn to listen for the spirit and do what he says, like he, he wants, he delights in partnering with us and you'll get to, you'll get to see God unfold things that don't make sense to you. If you just take simple, you know, steps of obedience. And that's what, that's what you did in your story. You know, like you heard the Lord, you responded without any set of resources or anything at your disposal. And, God worked it out and, and the ripple effects are still, you know, carrying on not only in your life, but in the lives of many people that you're impacting. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. It's amazing. It's fun to look back. There's uh, we've counted people who have been commissioned into ministry that were just, you know, 18, 19 year olds, 20 year olds that were marked by the movement. And we know of at least like 15 or 16 who are in either bivocational or full-time vocational ministry. And that's amazing. Really cool. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been sweet just to yeah. see the ripple effects. And I was going to say that that story is just so encouraging. Um, like, I just think about the fruit of that, like what you're talking about, about people who have been marked, you know, by whether it was one prayer night or two, however many, you know, but that the Lord met them in that place. And it just speaks to how um, I heard you share that story before and you would talk about how many people would show up, you know, and it's not about numbers, but it was about the hunger, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just so many hungry mm-hmm. young people who showed up and just wanted to seek the Lord. And that's just, it was- it's, it was cool. Yeah. It was kind of a, an interesting time because like I said, Instagram had like just come out. So there was mm-hmm. not any social media marketing. And actually, like, I remember really clearly the spirit saying to tell, he said, I want you to invite these seven people. He told me the seven people that were on his mind mm-hmm. to invite and then just tell them to bring hungry friends. So there was never like That's people cool. were constantly saying, where is this coming from? And how are people finding out about this? <laughs> because <laughs> there's no like, uh, digital footprint or anything like that. And it really was just like word of mouth and, and mm-hmm. God sending and bringing hungry people. And, um, the first night there was a hundred people and we had told seven. So it was just yeah. crazy awesome. how the word got out and God just, yeah, drew people in and it was cool. Yeah. And like that, I'm just reminded of almost a year ago when we were together for the awakening project, Um, I just remember gathering in a room with all of those young adults and the hunger that was in the room was tangible. I mean, like you could like, like me and some of my friends were trying to articulate what that was afterwards. We were just like debriefing because the time of worship and the time of prayer was just so profound. Um, It was like, it was almost as if the volume that we were singing the like in the groanings that were in our heart were just so it was so deep and that's so encouraging because even though that uh, night watch service was however many years ago I think it's true now that there are people that are just hungry and thirsty for the presence of God whether they know that that's what they're hungry or thirsty for or not and 
I think that just gives us so much hope, you know, for the upcoming generations when you may look across the horizon and be like, there is no hope there, you know, fear cannot live where hope abounds. And so that story and being together with you almost a year ago, it just always gives me hope and it should give us all hope for, for the future. So. Yeah. Having been in campus ministry now, you know, at some, in some capacity or form, God is so faithful, like to always provide a remnant of hungry people. And Mm -hmm. there's never been like a generation of college students that I've seen, like in a four-year rotation that doesn't just have like a fiery hot center somewhere that is just hungry and desperate for him and get doing prayer nights and doing things that, um, really glorify him and that he delights in. And it's just so cool. And so meeting you guys felt the same way. I was like, God always does it. He always yeah. provides, you know, there's always mm-hmm. someone he sends and it's, it's really beautiful. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that even a little bit more, because I think um, that's one of the things that I love as I hear both of your stories, actually, Emma and, and Maddie, um, what are you seeing because I think a lot of church leaders, uh, especially, you know, older church leaders that we interact with different yeah. parts of the country feel discouraged or they feel um, they, they may have kind of a negative opinion of kind of where Christianity is at with younger generations. Like that it's just, there's a lot of apathy. They don't really, they don't seem engaged in the church. And while I understand, like there may be some of that, I've also seen the exact opposite of that um, with a lot of folks. And it's why I've like, you know, just been so, you know, grateful to get to serve alongside Emma and Jen and people like them. Could you, could you both just share a little bit more of that? What are you seeing with these kind of younger generations, college age, you know, 18 to 20 something type folks? And what do you think, what are they what are they longing to see in the church? I know you can't speak on behalf of these generations, but I mean you you've got the pulse of it as you're working with folks. What are you seeing and what do you think they're really longing for God to do in the church? Because sometimes I feel like there's a disconnect between what older leaders think that young people want and what young people actually want. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Am I Maddie, no, you go ahead. You start. You start. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're in that generation. So you might even know better than me. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. You no, it. you go. No, nope, no, nope, you. Okay. Well, um, Matt, when you asked that question, I mean, I remember being in youth group as a high schooler and, um, and yeah, like, just real quick, what, how tell tell me how old are you? Oh, I am 19 years old right now. Okay. I'm in college. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I just want people to have a framework. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I remember being in high school, and um, there was always these like big events that the church wanted us to go to. You know, these conferences and these huge worship like. Uh, concert type things and you know all these fun outings and and stuff like that which was all good but something in me was not satisfied by just always um, chasing some type of like 
fog machine experience, you know, and, you know, recently one of my masters said, what you win them with is what you win them to. And I was just so struck because I think not everywhere, but in some places, the church for so long has tried to win this younger generation with uh, some like concerty experience or some super fun thing to just get them through the doors or, you know, things like that. But that's what you're winning them to. And so I had a, a, a time in my life when I was one with those things. But then when I got in the doors, I was like, oh, this is all that there is here. You know, I, I I was hungry for something more and I didn't even know how to articulate that. But what I was given was games and, you know, so I would say like, I think that people, people all across the board at the core of their desire, they're hungry for truth. They're hungry for God's presence. Uh and there are a lot of walls or barriers along the way, and like past that. But uh, more than anything, like one thing that I love about the ministry that you do, Maddie, is that you are just so eager to maintain the unity around the spirit. Like you keep the main thing, the main thing. You know, you keep Jesus at the center. Um, and people will be attracted to that because we cannot not be attracted to Jesus. You know what I mean? Like when we are filled with his love, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, we will overflow out of his love. And so I'm just like reminded of Ephesians chapter four, how they were eager to maintain the unity and the spirit of the bond of peace. And later in that passage, it says, um, so the body will work properly together, that it will build itself up in love. And so, you know, all across the board, whether you're seeking to, to find um, a younger generation or the older generation or the, the middle age people, you know, you seek to maintain the unity around the spirit and the bond of peace and the body will grow itself in love you know, when all things are working together properly. Mm -hmm. So I think that the, the younger generation wants truth and doesn't want flashy things, you know, sparkly things. I loved that comment. It reminded me of something that a pastor friend of mine had just said uh, the other day. He said, whatever you build in the flesh will have to be sustained by the flesh but whatever mm. you build in the spirit will be sustained by the spirit. Wow. And it's so true. It is so yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, being in ministry, there has so, there's been so much excess that I have built in the flesh that has mm-hmm. just been a good idea and, you know, like seem to be nice, but it has to be sustained by that continual effort. And yeah. um, yeah, I just, I think that I, I would agree just looking at what, where emerging adults are, um, and, and people are not wrong. They are apathetic. A lot of people mm-hmm. are very apathetic. Sure. A lot of people come from a lot of broken homes, families. Like I'd say you meet more people now in emer- emerging generations who come from broken homes than who just have a stellar upbringing. Um, yeah. and that's, 
you know, that's at, that's a huge part of their identity. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's coming out of brokenness instead of stability. Um, and so it, it really does. We, we talk a lot about this at Arise, but one of the things that just can't be overlooked in this moment is spiritual parenting and just yeah, like recognizing that if you are 30 or older, even if you're 25, you know, like you have something to offer emerging adults, um, because simply you can bring stability and clarity of just like the simplicity of how to follow the way of Jesus, you know, in your life, because they probably don't know what that looks like. And I think people are very hungry to see a a Christian life alive, um, and not just Mm -hmm. the flashy conferency experience. I think that they, Mm -hmm. um, I think that those places are really important for like encounter and filling and, and experiencing the presence of God. But, um, yeah, the whole sustaining effort of what being a disciple to Jesus might look like, I do think happens in spiritual parenting and coming alongside and showing them a better way, showing them uh, the character of Jesus and what prayer actually looks like and not just what what we say it is, you know, and talk about it. I think they want real, like practical help to learn how to follow Jesus. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of why we ended up planting the way that we did too, just uh, we, we do an all gathering is like, you know, a traditional kind of service or a contemporary service, um, the first Sunday of the month. And then every other Sunday we're in homes. So we're in house churches across the city. And so much of that was just the intersection of depression and loneliness and apathy and just all, all these things that you see in emerging generations and, and just saying like, man, we're not against other models. We actually had never done house church before we planted a house church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kind of funny, you know, we never came out of a house church network or movement, but we were reading scripture. We were reading acts. We were, uh, seeing sort of the cultural intersection that we're in with, uh, just all the statistics around emerging adults. And we were like, man, is this other way really working? Like, is it, is it helping people move forward and come out of bondage or brokenness, walk into freedom, walk into transformation, be deeply discipled, learn how Mm. to pray, learn how to, to have good, healthy relationships to learn like Mm -hmm. these very practical things that when you were raised in stability, maybe you knew how to do, but most people don't. And we were like, man, it's, it's just coming in to consume a message and have some ministry time and good worship. Is it going to be enough for them? Um, and really just the statistics and trends of millennials and Gen Z leaving the church. We were just like, no, I guess not. You know, I guess it's not really totally working. So we just in, like I said, audacious hope. We were like, we're just going to try something new. It's not that we think it's the silver bullet and it's not, I'm telling you it's, it's messy and it has all of its own issues, but um, yeah. but we're like, let's yeah. just try to do something that's a little, a little more micro and that people can be stretched and challenged to grow, mm-hmm. walk in holiness and to pursue God and to learn really practically what that looks like. We meet in living rooms and around tables and, uh, it's, it's totally different than anything we've ever been a part of before. But, um, but I think that they're hungry for that. I think that the emerging generations are, even if your context and, and model is different, you've got to find those spaces in your church because they need tables to sit at and conversations to be had and a place because they are maybe apathetic and, um, have so much swirling around in their minds, um, with just all the cultural ideology that's smashed on them day after day after day. 
they have so many questions. And if they only hear like a sermon, it's, it's not answering their questions enough. They, they need someone who they can say, what do you think about this? And just have a full on conversation about it. Give mm-hmm. them scriptures, give them things to, to seek out themselves. Um, and then to get, be a continual place of love to come back to, um, I, I don't know. I just, I think without those spaces in the church in some form, it doesn't have to be that model, but in some form, we've got to recapture those small spaces and table fellowship because, yeah. uh, they have more questions than are being answered from a pulpit and, um, yeah, they just need depth and and they want authenticity and they want something real and the presence of God is that and the presence of community is <laughs> that as well. So Amen. yeah, I just love that you brought in um, spiritual family. That is so, so true. And um, the way that you are articulating how many, many people just want to be taught how to live an authentic Christian life. Um, you know, because it can look like one thing when you walk in the doors on Sunday morning, but some people look completely different when they walk out, you know, and when they do their, their live Monday to Saturday, you know, so it's, it is, uh, so important that a part of, you know, raising up the next generation will primarily be done through intentional relationship, which I think that you guys do at Arise so beautifully. Um, It's just, it's really moving. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about this of um, spiritual parenting, because I think that is, I do think that that is um, crucial of where we're at in the church right now really it's always been crucial we just kind of lost sight of that right Right. um but for a lot of folks and maybe some folks listening to this podcast um that might be either a new concept or something that they've never really they've never maybe been spiritually parented themselves and so that's difficult for them to think about even if i okay i'm just a man I'm a church leader. I'm a pastor. I'm thinking about a lot of the churches that we work with. And, um, okay, I know there's some teenager, late teens, early 20s. I know some of those folks connected with our church, but I don't really know what, like, what do I do? Like, what do I practically, like, if I, how do I become a spiritual parent when I don't really know what that looks like? If you had to just, you know, both of you have both, um, I think, experienced spiritual parenting, someone serving as that role in your life and now, you know, are doing that for others. Could you share a little bit practically for someone who this is kind of a more foreign concept? How do you actually get started with something like that? So good. I love that question. Um, because I, I have, this has been part of my experience as a young adult. It's just having people come around me and spiritually parent me. And I think the reason why I like that term even more than mentoring is because sometimes mentoring actually does come with, I think both come with a pressure. I think mentoring can come with, I've got to have something prepared and like, I've got to download all this stuff to this person and mentor them and you know, whatever. And I think spiritual parenting, the way it comes like maybe with a, maybe you've been someone who you've never had that in your life, or even maybe you never had parents that really loved you or showed you how to parent and you have insecurities about 
that term parenting, you know, maybe that's a little bit triggering or something just like, Oh, I don't even know what that means or looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would, I'll tell you how it's looked at arise is, um, honestly, just inviting people over for dinner is like step one, just being like, Mm -hmm. Hey, take this young person and just invite them to your table, show them your life. A lot of it is going to be like sort of the beyond the conversation elements, Mm -hmm. like just what does your life look like? What does, what is, what are you, what does your family look like? How does it, how does it feel? Or how does it in that phase of your life, what are you doing? How do you, how are you establishing your rhythms and your practices with Jesus? And what does your family look like? What do your kids look like? Um, yeah. so, so much of it is, is caught around them as well. Um, but it starts with just having a meal, like sharing a meal, learning from each other. Um, and I, and I think that a lot of times people do put that pressure on, like, I've got to have all this stuff to just present or to share. And I think what an emerging adult is really looking for is someone to just share their life with and someone to pray with them. Like you don't have to have the right scripture reference. And in fact, I actually think emerging adults will really appreciate you saying, I don't know. Yeah. I was just not sure. Um, instead of just keeping up with the front, you know, like, I think they actually want you to just say, I don't know, but actually that's really stirring in me. I'm going to take that and pray about it and do some like digging. And then let's have another conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think an emerging adult really like respects that actually, um, because of all that they're bombarded with. Um, and so I, I honestly just think it's super conversational, you know, Jesus, we actually had arise this fall. We did, um, a table series and a neighboring series. That was kind of our whole fall. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most anointed things that we've done so far, um, at arise, just the spirit was so on it. Jesus was ministering to us all so deeply. And we just walked through the book of Luke and, and looked at every air, every place that, um, Jesus like had it had meals with people, every meal mm-hmm. with Jesus, we, we looked at and dove into and just recognized, that, uh, one of my, one of my favorite kind of quotes or whatever that emerged out of the series was, um, there's three statements in, uh, the gospels three times that in the gospels, um, the phrase, the son of man is mentioned. Um, the son and man came to seek and save the lost, uh, the son of man, uh, now I'm forgetting, hold on the, the second one pause. We'll, we'll remember it. But the third <laughs> one is, uh, the son of man came eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. And just this phrase of like who Jesus was, was in a ra- a relational table. He was the incarnate God, you know, he came to yeah. be with us in presence and to, to experience life in a presence way with us. And so we just dug through those areas and Luke and those times. And, um, what you recognize really quickly is that Jesus is usually either on his way to a meal coming from a meal yeah. or at a meal. In yeah. the book of yeah. And so he just was, that's how he did life and disciples yeah. was around the table. And so it's, it's a lot less, um, rigid or like structured than maybe we want to make it. I think that it is as simple as inviting someone into your life and just sharing like in the same way that you build a friendship, build a friendship with a 19 year old and ask them questions about what's going on in their lives and what are the things they're experiencing and what is God doing in them? And what are they seeing in their friends and what are their questions? And you don't have to have all the answers, but I think they just want someone who will 
engage with them. And, and really it's mutual, like the relationship I've gained so much from the young women that I've discipled and walked with and spiritually parented. Um, but man, they also gain so much from just having a a perspective outside of their echo chamber that they're in. Yeah. Um, it's really healthy and good. So basically just intergenerational relationship and discipleship. Yeah, that's um, good. So that's a few thoughts for me, but. Emma, anything to add to that? Yeah, I would just say, so when I um, started being spiritually parented, it started in a discipleship relationship. That's like the term that we used to kind of define the relationship at the beginning. And, uh, we met every week and we would just, it it was a lot of learning each other, you know, like, just tell me about your life. Tell me about what's going on. Can we pray for each other? You know, like stuff like that. Just, do you have any questions? A lot of it was um, me asking her questions and, you know, like just kind of wrestling through some things. And then as it began to grow and form, we would get lunch together, get dinner together. You know, we would, we would do things together and it's exactly what you're talking about. A lot of it is outside the conversation where it was like just this week where I was like, oh, it is normal for a Christian family to gather around a table and have a meal together. <laughs> like yeah. literally this week I I was talking to Matt about this and that's something that maybe someone from an older generation would be like, well, yeah, duh. Like we, we always have dinner together as a family, but what you don't realize is that what these, my age people coming up um, before me and behind me, we don't have those experiences with Christian parents who will pray before a meal or, you know, even pray for you. I was so moved by the fact that I had older people in my life praying for me. And so like, I love how you talk about just relieving that pressure that we have to have a set schedule or a set thing. Um, I mean, obviously there are intentional questions that you can ask to kind of get a feel for how their spiritual life is and stuff that we can grow in and um, all of that. But it is uh, just it's just beginning. Like you just have to begin somewhere and not be afraid to, uh, you know, like we can just get so caught up in the external appearance of how people show up or, uh, you know, what they're wearing or how they identify and, and all of these things. And we're so afraid to bring people into our homes that we try to push them into another building, the church, you go deal with them there. But what I love about what you're talking about is, no, actually, I have the spirit of God in me and he loves me. He loves this son, this daughter. And so we can actually just do life parallel to one another and walk it out you know, and uh, what you were talking about earlier with just even saying, I know, but let's wrestle with it together. That, that is, um, that is humility 
Mm-hmm. That is the life of Jesus. Now, I don't recall any places where Jesus said, I don't know. But what I do know is that he only said and did what the father said and did. Mm-hmm. And so that means that I heard just a few weeks ago that Jesus never outgrew his neediness for the father mm-hmm. ever. He was an expert in neediness. And so that means that if I don't have the answers for a spiritual son, a spiritual daughter, that's actually a good thing because we need the father to teach us. We need the father to shine light on this because hmm. we can we can be quote unquote experts in certain things. Sure. But actually the one who is the way, the truth and the life, you know, would like to to talk about it too. Yeah. So even giving people access to you know, how about you listen to God this week about this and really wrestle with this and I'll do the same thing. And then we'll get back together and talk about it. Yeah. And that just relieves so much pressure to have all of the right answers or say the right things or keep our house looking pretty, you know, at least in my experience, I was just so moved when I was able to see a strong woman in the faith show me her humanity mm-hmm. you know and say I need Jesus too and I don't have it all figured out either and um but I I will only grow in my neediness for the Lord so mm-hmm. so I just my love little, that you know a little nugget I'll add to I don't know if this is how it's worked for you but something that really helps take the pressure off is this does not have to be an eternal weekly meeting. You know, like Mm. I think sometimes people are like, well, I don't have time for, you know, I'm a mom to two toddlers. I, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And, um, yeah, I just, some of the most potent discipleship relationships that I've had that I, I mean, I have a, a girl that I discipled who is a missionary in Iraq right now, you know, has, and, and a fully like, you know, onboarded, seven year trajectory kind of thing of praying, fasting, entering into it was, was on her life since she was 18, that she needed to be in the middle East. But, um, you know, I've had people that I've discipled who, I mean, I'm, I'm like, you have just gotten so much further than I'm going. Um, but those, I can think back to this window. There's a a group of four girls that I discipled, um, when I was in college ministry and we would just meet on Friday mornings. We did this for like one semester, Friday mornings, just spent together. We prayed together. I did a ton of just testimony sharing. We dig into the scriptures. They would ask questions. It's very like, you know, sort of, uh, communal, not, uh, planned or whatever wrote. And these women, I mean, it was one semester. They are some of the most amazing women that I know. Like I look up to them at this point, they are just killing it in the kingdom. And, and it was just a semester of my life that I gave to them. And, and, and they were in the like almost pre Jesus phase when I met them, you know, just like very much like, so who's Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) tell me about him. I'm kind of interested. And by the end of the semester, they were all, you know, fasting and praying and hungry. And and it wasn't me. It was that I just invited a window, you know, for the spirit and to use our lives, use the things that use the tools that we have. We don't all have the same tools, but the tools that are in your toolbox, right. Um, to invite people into them and just to let them wrestle with it. Like it was just, 
this window of time. So I just want to say like, it also doesn't have to last forever. Like if you just yeah. give it your all for a season of time to, to just a couple people, um, invite them into your home, say, Hey, for this fall, I'd love to just have you in my home once a week. Let's talk through these things. Like, I hope that they move forward, you know, that they don't just right. lean on to you forever because they should go forward in the mission of God in their lives and disciple more people after them. And so I don't know, just to release the pressure too, of this, um, eternal weekly meeting yeah. you have to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love this, uh, what you all are sharing so much and, um, it's really near to my heart and I'm, I've shared this with some folks before, but I wouldn't be sitting here right now and spirit and truth wouldn't exist ministry if not for a spiritual father that came into my life when I was in high school. And um, he wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a professional ministry, anything. He was just an, a normal guy who was living an authentic Christian life. And he invited me to breakfast one day, kind of out of the blue. And at one breakfast, he said, hey, how about we meet again next week? And um, he picked me up before school and it's a long story, but it radically changed my life. I mean, just getting to witness um, what real, like a real Christian man who loved his family and lived his faith out in his workplace and all of those things. I got to see that firsthand and just, I don't remember almost anything that he said to me, but I was utterly shaped um, just from being around him. Yeah. And so this is, I mean... I just sometimes I feel like um, people get, you know, kind of they get worked up about the church and, and you, you know, sometimes I hear people say suggest something simple like, well, just invite that 19 year old like to, 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 to dinner this week. And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. That's but that's not enough. That's too simple. Like that's not going right. to fix the church. But actually, in fact, that is exactly the way that mm -hmm. God brings renewal in his body is through real life on life, you know, micro moments. Yeah. And we don't know the full, what you were just saying, Maddie, and which is so true. We do not know the full ripple effect that we, that we will have in someone's because of their willingness to take that one simple step. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's what Jesus did. You know, he called the 12 Amen. and then the rest of the 72 and yeah. the women and all this. I mean, he just, he just did the micro relationship and gave them everything. You know, I love that last few, the last few verses in John, like if everything were to be written, there wouldn't be enough books to, yeah. or space for books to hold of the things that Jesus did. And it's like, how much of that was just on the road conversation, you know, just things that they, as they did life together, synced up together. Mm -hmm. um, how much was imparted to them that we don't even have in the scriptures that prepared them for launching the church, you know? Yeah. So it's really, it is so true. Just the informal spaces are so important. Um, yeah. I feel passionate about them for sure. Cause they shaped my life as well, Matt. Like, yeah. Amen. You know, one last little encouragement I'll give, and then uh, I guess we're getting, we're going to have to wrap up this. I feel like we could just <laughs> talk all day, but uh, this has been fun. You know, I'm, I've been recently trying to um, to do this same kind of thing just with my own kids. And um, my oldest is 14. And uh, so once a week, I take him to breakfast before school. And because um, I thought, you know, if, uh, some random guy in the church did that for me. I could do that for my own son, you know. And I get discouraged sometimes because I'm like, he doesn't, he's really uh, reserved and quiet kid. And so he don't, 
doesn't always have a lot to say. And I feel like our conversation just like, I'm always wanting to be so much like, you know, grander than it is like have some deep thing or whatever. And um, it's usually just very kind of mundane. And yet I've realized recently, there's just every week on Sunday, he always asks me, dad, dad, are we going to breakfast tomorrow? You know? And like, you can see, um, I started to realize even if we just sat in silence, he just longs for that time. And so I just want to encourage folks, even if it doesn't seem like anything big is happening in the moment, or you start meeting with someone and just kind of seems like we're, you know, sometimes it feels like you're walking through mud at the beginning, trying to, to, to see how this relationship is going to form. Just stay with it. Yes. Just the, the practical, just obedience of just, just staying with it. God will work in that time. Yeah, totally. I feel the same way. Like just those, those are important moments that everyone has bailed on them, you know, like emerging adults, if they have broken families and broken relationships, it's just sticking with them for a little period of time and and the power of that and the power of silence. Like what you said, just showing up in love and just continuing to show up like the father does for us. It's so powerful and it's potent and it will shape them and change them. Amen. It's so good. Well, Maddie, thank you so much uh, for your willingness to take this time to, to talk today. Um, I'm just, I'm so grateful that God allowed our to, to cross and we're excited to have you at the spirit and truth conference coming up. And um, yeah, your heart for, for these emerging generations and just your heart for the Lord and for the church in general, just, it really blesses me. So I'm grateful for you and for, um, for your ministry. And I'm glad that you and Emma got connected as well. So no, me too. It's been such a I cannot wait to be with you guys in a couple of weeks, really. Like we only have probably two months left. Yeah. Yeah. And before we go, uh, would you mind just as we close, would you, would you offer a prayer for those folks that are listening and um, yeah, just anything you want to pray just to bless their lives. Father, we, we love you so much. We love your ways. We love that you sent Jesus to us incarnate to just dwell among us and for him to exchange presence with us um, as a man. We're so grateful, God, that you've shown us the way you really have. It is so simple, but you have shown us the way to discipleship and to be invited into relationship. And I pray God that anyone listening who's maybe just been stirred um, towards you in some way, um, the Holy Spirit, will you speak to them right now? And will you give them maybe a picture or a verse or somebody like pop in their mind um, in a way that they can be obedient and take action step forward um, with you. And, and God, you have, like, I love what Matt said earlier, you always, you're willing and desirous to just pour yourself out on us and to use us um, to work through us, God. And, and so I pray right now that anybody listening, that you would um, inspire hope and dreams um, mm and visions for what you have for them and ways that they can participate with you in building the kingdom. Um, Jesus, we thank you that you're the cornerstone, um, that you really are doing the work and we can just enter into what you are doing already with the people around us and in our own personal lives. And um, Father, I pray uh, for the Spirit and Truth Conference coming up. 
Um, Holy Spirit, will you fill that space? Um, We want to be with you. We want to meet with you. And we want to have heart postures that just say, we want you here. Like we want you here with us. Um, We want to be in your presence, in your glory, filled by you to know you deeper and to really be sent out and commissioned out um, to the ends of the earth and all the things that you have for us. And so come Holy Spirit and fill that space. Um, fill Matt and the team and Emma as they are preparing and give them vision and wisdom um, for what you're doing. And, and Jesus, we most of all, just pray that you would fill us day by day. Um, yes, um, fill us day by day, Jesus, help us to know you deeply, um, help us to be purified and cleansed. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about John the Baptist recently and have been reading about his life and I pray, Jesus, that you would make us people who prepare a way for renewal, who yes. prepare a way for awakening in our generation and in our time. The world is so desperate for you, even when they don't know it. Um, so come and make us um, like this, anoint us with that spirit of Elijah that prepares the way. Um, let us be a voice crying out in the wilderness. And then let us see you come, you come on that call, God. So Mm -hmm. we believe Jesus, that you answer that expectation. Um, Come to us, meet with us, show us your ways in this hour, in this time, in this day. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. That's been our podcast for today. You guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast interview today, please hit the subscribe button. We have lots more interviews with conference speakers coming up and you don't want to miss those episodes. For more information on the conference, you know where to go over to our website, spiritandtruth.life slash conference. There you will find all of the information that you need to register. I really hope I see you there.